Welcome to the Take On Board podcast. Being on a board can be an incredibly valuable, interesting and exciting experience. Yet it can also be lonely, challenging and, let's face it, pretty hard. So here at Take On Board, I'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you navigate your way onto a board, onto your next board and to build your governance wisdom. Now, on with the show. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Madeline Babialakis about building leadership skills in a new world of work. Before we start that discussion, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we record. For me, that is the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I acknowledge their continuing connections to land, waters and culture and pay my respects to Elders past and present. I support the Uluru Statement from the heart. I'll be voting yes in the referendum coming up later this year and I encourage others in the Take On Board community to do the same. Now, let me introduce Madeline. Madeline is on the boards of Careers Counselling Australia, the Women's Leadership Institute of Australia, and she was formerly on the board of IABC, the International Association of Business Communicators, Victoria. She is the founder and director of Shape and Impact, a consulting and advisory practice helping purpose-led organisations achieve strategic impact. A former journalist and press secretary, Madeline has advised ministers, CEOs and heads of large organisations and now helps stakeholders across government, technology and education sectors around the world navigate disruptive change. She is a passionate advocate of building leadership skills through a career portfolio, which has seen her join three boards in as many years. We'll hear more about that soon. Madeline, welcome to the Take On Board podcast. Thank you so much, Halia. Long-time listener and follower, um, so I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolute pleasure. So, as you know, before we dig into the topic of the day, I always like to a little bit of background about the guest we have in front of us and indeed the Take On Board community has often said to me never change that part they love hearing the background so Madeline can you tell me a story about young Madeline that tells us a bit about how you got to where you are today? So the story that I want to talk about is the fact that I moved uh, with my family when I was quite young from Zimbabwe so my family Greek background but lived in Zimbabwe for generations and you might know that in Zimbabwe politically it wasn't a great place to be at at that time around 2000 2001 when we moved and for me I saw my dad my family have to deal with change and transition very early on they were very challenging years those first few years but the way that we had to pick up and move I've always had that I think embedded in me is the ability to navigate change. And it's ironic that it's a lot of what I do now in more of a professional sense. But for me, some of the earliest lessons I learned were from my dad. And and now I know that it took him 14 months to find a job. I didn't know that back then because he rented an office and he went to work every day. But it was an incredibly challenging time and, and trying to build a home in a completely foreign place. So that's something that I've sort of taken to how I navigate my career, which has seen a lot of change, but then also in my own work, how I help leaders and stakeholders get through change, which is now in this new world of work and a constant. Oh, that is so interesting. Gosh, all that stuff in there. But yeah, that constant change and now that you work in change and oh, that's a story of your dad renting the office. Oh. He's, he's pretty amazing. And he, um, 
I think it's a bit of a cliche that everyone always looks to their parents, but I, I really do from a, a professional and a personal sense in terms of what they went through and everything was to give my sister and I better opportunities in terms of education and beyond. So I'm always grateful for that. It is one of the common themes I hear on this podcast when I'm asking people about their background, perhaps unsurprisingly, but that influence of the parents on what the kids come through and that influence on them getting into the boardroom as well, whether it's parents being involved in the community in some way or, you know, the commitment to education or whatever it may be, but really inspiring that next generation to do a range of things, including joining a board. So maybe we'll turn there now. You know, if we're thinking about building leadership skills in this new world of work, and as I say, I know you're a passionate advocate for people and young people starting to build their board portfolio, maybe talk us through your journey to the boardroom. So I'll just take a step back in terms of what a little bit of my my work history. So as you said in the intro, I started um, in journalism and then I worked as a press sec for a state government up to uh, an election, which was in a losing election. So having a job on a Friday and then losing it by Monday, it's a experience that a lot of people working in politics would, would know too well. But for me, quite early in my career, that hit me quite hard in terms of then moving on and finding work quite quickly after that. And so I learned, I think, earlier on than perhaps maybe others if they have had more traditional career paths was the importance of constantly building, learning, navigating new industries, because you never know then when you have to find a new role. So from there, I ended up working in universities and higher education for nearly seven years at RMIT, which is a wonderful organization. And then somewhere in between, I think COVID, one of the lockdowns, I don't even remember which one it was, but I'd always wanted to be able to do more outside my one role. I'd always had this in me, but I wasn't sure how to implement it. And then I'd been talking for a while to different people. I'd gone through the interview process. There was a board that I'm on now and that I actually have taken on a chairing role of. It's called Careers Counselling Australia, and it was previously known as CAV, which is the peak body for career educators across Victoria. And they have a charity arm associated with it and a board. And they gave me the opportunity, and I'm so grateful because that was sort of July, August 2020. And it was the first board that I was able to join. And I had been going through an organizational strategy, a planning process in my job at RMIT. I helped them with resetting their strategy. Once I joined that board, everyone was so wonderful in terms of sharing their experiences. I was obviously, you know, the newest one and it was the first board I'd ever joined. And so I was very grateful for that experience. So what led me there was really wanting to do it for a while, but also not being I guess, taken back with the advice that people gave me, which was that it probably was too early on. They weren't sure I could do it. Why don't you just wait? So I think my main advice for people who are looking at perhaps joining a board and they haven't had the positive feedback they're looking for is that there are lots of ways that you can start creating a portfolio earlier on in your career. So from Careers Counselling Australia, then I also joined IABC Victoria and my background is as a, as a communicator. And so that was a, a wonderful board to join and be a part of. And then most recently, end of last year, was the uh, WILEA or Women's Leadership Institute of Australia, which is run by uh, the wonderful Carol Schwartz. So it's been growing for me and it's been such a wonderful addition to then also working for myself, which I decided to do April last year. So a huge advocate of board career portfolio, but also 
trying to inspire more people to know that there are different pathways to get to that board position. It's so, I love hearing in a way that your first board was the Career Councillors of Australia and that that was a good experience. I would hope that it is given what they do as an organisation. And ironically, or perhaps not ironically, perhaps just logically, it has helped to build your career. 100%. They're career educators themselves. So they practice what they preach and they are, yeah, a wonderful group to be part of. And it's ironic also, sorry to keep talking about my parents, but my mum went back into education quite late because she took a step back when we moved countries and she works in career education. And that's been such a wonderful opportunity for her. And then having worked in universities was such a big part of my career, obviously a big advocate for lifelong learning and pathways and it did work out. But there were a lot of times where I I went for things and I was rejected, a lot of conversations which I really hoped would lead into things and they didn't. So that's another message that I'd love to get across to your community and people who might not have joined boards yet to know that it's not smooth process. I wrote about this recently on LinkedIn is that you will see the success story at the end very often, but a lot of the time it takes a while and you just need the one opportunity to to get started with a board role. So, so I hope that's helpful um, because it would have been helpful to me in some of those times. Again, it's so interesting you say that. I was I was about to say, you know, Madeline, it sounds, you know, you apply for this board, you get on the board, you get on the next board, you get on the next board. <laughs> it sounds like such a beautiful, magical experience. But no, there was some, if it's okay, is there a story of one of those ones that you applied for that you didn't get? And just what happened in that and how you responded? Because that sort of stuff, as you say, you often just hear the success stories. Here at Take On Board, we like to share the good, the bad and the ugly, if that's okay. Would you be happy to talk us through being rejected from a board role, what happened and how you dealt with that? I find that you can put a lot of effort into, like there was particular applications that I put a lot of effort into. I got the reference checks and everything. And then you get that email back where, you know, you just haven't progressed to the next round. What I found stayed with me longer, and this is why I'm so passionate about the importance of communication and what we'll get, I'm sure we'll get onto that. I had a conversation where I thought might lead to a board opportunity. So there were the emails I got, which didn't really lead anywhere, the conversations. And then there were particular leadership programs that would lead into board roles where I put all you know, my personal story, everything together, and then I wasn't successful for. So there wasn't one particular one, there was a number of, but if I can get anything across is that very rarely, I think people's careers follow this linear track of success. You might hear the nice story at the end, you hear the intro, oh, that all sounds good, three boards, three years, that's great. But it does take time and effort and, and that resilience to keep going. And also know that very rarely is the intent of what's being said has the same impact. Like if someone is saying something with the intent of giving a bit of advice, but I take it personally, the impact of that stays with me a lot longer than that person intended it. So I think being able to step back and take it less personally and just keep moving on, because I also believe that things happen the right time, the right reason. And there was a reason why the careers counselling Australia were the ones that gave me my first opportunity. Tell me more because I'd love to hear, yeah, the story of how you got onto that board. What happened and what was the reason? The reason was that someone I had worked with previously had been on the board and then connected me with the chair and they knew that it had an open process where I could meet, do the interviews. So it was someone that vouched for me. It was also the fact that the former CEO had ran careers education 
trainings at a institution I'd studied at previously. So there were a lot of links where I knew about the mission, the vision, the purpose. I knew that they also were resetting their strategy and that was my background. And this is the organization I've also started myself is around, you know, purpose-led organizations, purpose-led strategy. So I believe that it's in an area that I'm particularly passionate about. It was a group that were also very open to someone new coming in with very little, no boarding experience. And it happened at a time which I think I was quite ready in my in terms of my career. And I'd been in a leadership role for a little bit longer than when I first intended to be on a board. I think because of what happened earlier in my career, which was working in politics and everything, I always wanted to do everything early. And perhaps when I first wanted to be on a board, maybe it was a little too early. And (laughs) (laughs) But I would say that it isn't too early once you have started building up a bit of work experience and you're looking at voluntary roles to add to more of a portfolio, particularly women, I would say, as you're building up your career. Most of the women I talk to might not apply for things if they don't feel 100% ready for each selection criteria. We know what the stats say. And so I would say just put yourself forward, you know, have the conversations and you never know what can come from it. Right. Yeah. Put your hand up for some of those roles that are coming along. Yeah. Okay. So Careers Counselling Australia was your first board. Mm-hmm. Women's Leadership came second. IABC and then the Women's Leadership. The other thing I really wanted to talk about was the idea of this career portfolio in this new world of work. So board roles are a fantastic addition to building out your skills and different roles across across your career. But I think that what I've found across the board, across different roles, is the importance of these soft skills, these communication skills. So according to the World Economic Forum, I think they say 44% of the key skills in demand by businesses now are going to change in the years to 2025. And the ability to be able to communicate and engage across roles across your career is so important and I find that if you are joining different boards working with different leaders and executive teams you really are on the front foot in terms of developing some of those skills that are needed so probably diverting a little bit away from your question but rather than just talking about myself and the and the board roles is thinking for for your community also about some of the advantages of adding an extra board role if they can to their full-time role and seeing how it will be able to stretch them and also fill the gaps because we keep hearing about skills gaps and all these sorts of things. You can build a lot of those through exposing yourself to different environments such as through boards. We often hear this kind of portfolio career bandied around, I guess, by people who have a full load of boards. But I think what I'm hearing from you is that how did you put it, career portfolio. So there can be different portfolios within your career, some of which may be board work and maybe other work. So talk me through what your career portfolio looks like and how that might be put together to give others the kind of inspiration about how it might work. It's a good question because I find it hard to define what my job is in a couple of words, but to give it a go, I work as a, um, a consultant and advisor through the business that I've started with a number of organisations across government, technology and education sectors. And I also sit on a couple of boards that we've talked about. And then outside of that, I also facilitate leadership programs within organisations and offer coaching one-on-one. So how I think about my portfolio is that it's a range of engagements with different businesses and that works well for me because I always wanted to be able to work 
in a way that was a little bit more flexible and I can work remotely. I always liked working from home even before COVID was a thing and be able to join organizations, amazing organizations, and be a small part of the impact that they're trying to drive. For me at the moment, being on two boards works really well with the time commitments I have, but that's not to say in the next year or two that I might look more voluntary roles. So that's how I've constructed my portfolio. If you are someone listening who's in a full-time role and you're like, well, that all sounds great, but I don't have the time and I've got a lot more going on. I would say that most jobs that I've heard of have flexible arrangements where you can do a little bit of time working from home or you can do nine-day fortnights or whatever it might look like. And then also if an opportunity for a board comes up and you're looking at it, you see it on LinkedIn jobs or on Seek, have a look at the commitments of that board because I've been on a board which we've had six meetings a year I've been on a board where we've got meetings every month and the engagements it's more of a working board so if it's a, a board where you have to attend meetings five or six times a year and there might be a couple of other engagements it's very likely that your organization might actually be quite supportive that there might be slight changes in hours but you'll be able to get a lot in return so if what I said hasn't really related perhaps looking at a particular board role that you're interested in and then understanding what the time commitment is might work for you. And then you've got one, two, and then your career portfolio kind of starts building itself. And if I can just add to it, I think the other thing for people to consider is if, they are look, if they're working in a full-time job and they're looking at a board role, there is quite often benefit to the organisation that they work for in their full-time job of that person being on a board as well. You know, if you work in an organisation where there is a board, and you might be writing board papers, for example, there is nothing like reading the board papers in another context to give you great insight about what makes up a good board paper. So it's not just, not just inverted commas, your own professional development, which is absolutely worthy and good, but it might actually be contributing to the organisation that you're in as well. Absolutely. And there are a lot of people that I talk to where they like their jobs, but they're like, oh, I don't feel passionate about it. Sometimes you can contribute to an organization that in a voluntary role in an area that you're passionate about, you know, it might not be your full-time job, but you can give back in a different way while also adding and building your career. Exactly. <laughs> Make it sound quite simplistic, but it could be something that helps also with fulfillment in your nine to five. Oh, you get no argument out of me. I'm always trying to encourage people to get on boards and do it sooner rather than later like you have. So it's a great story to share. You touched on this earlier about communication skills and the soft skills and how important they are for the career portfolio and are built through the board. I'm just wondering, is there anything else you wanted to add around communication skills and, you know, how key they are for people? So through Shape and Impact, which is the um, consulting and the advisory firm that I now work on or work through, there's a constant theme across all the organisations that I've had the opportunity to work with is this challenge of navigating ongoing change, ambiguity, trying to genuinely engage with teams, employees, stakeholders, and this need for, and I see it because my background is communication, is the need to be able to communicate across a range of circumstances with a range of stakeholders and audience groups. And that is become even more difficult in terms of how we work now, which is, you know, remote or hybrid with ongoing change and uncertainty, the economic climate, the way it is. And so I would say that it's more important than ever, and I'm coming from a bias source, so let's just put that out there. But 
having come from a communication background and worked in senior comms roles, it's not just that having the skill of being able to communicate is a communicator's role. I would say that great leaders are great communicators and they are able to communicate and paint the vision of the organization really clearly. As you would know, the board has ownership over the strategy. They have strategic oversight of the organization. So right through from the board to executive leaders, leaders, middle managers, however organizations are set up, being able to have that alignment, that strategic alignment down to every employee, being able to feel feel part of something is so important. And I listened to a recent podcast of yours, so I don't want to talk too much more about strategic alignment because I know it's come up recently. But organizations, typically, people don't know the strategy. Typically, organizations are not very good at handling change and it's very hard to do. And so this ability to sort of authentically communicate and engage is so important. And it's one of the things that I love helping organizations with. I believe it's a skill that can be built and developed and it's not something that you either are a great communicator or not. I think it's actually being able to understand, empathize, understand how the strategy affects different people and be able to communicate with people knowing where they're coming from and that it's a skill that can be learned. And I feel like it's in need at the moment. It's interesting. I think you reflected earlier about it being I mean, communication is key anywhere. Change is everywhere. And if you're going to have change, then you need to be able to communicate well. You also need to be able to communicate well just to ensure, you know, smooth dynamics in the boardroom so that you can have robust and respectful conversations that end up in a decision. All of those things, they are key. And it's interesting, I think, that they are both, I don't like the hard and soft skills terminology, I must say, but for the purposes of, because I know they're used commonly, it's both a hard skill and a soft skill. In a way, it's a technical skill and it's something that is one of those soft skills that can be built as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. So. And sometimes if you come from a, a technical background or you, you're not used to sort of being in that comms world, it can scare you a bit more. Just like if you have come from the comms world and the technical expertise can scare you a bit more. But I think it's fantastic that through the last few years especially that it's shining the light on the importance of these soft but not soft skills human skills, sometimes people call them, and the ability to really drive change and strategy that has impact through them. And that we're also looking at it right from students and graduates and how can we actually build those skills early, regardless of if you've got a manager title, a board title, you know, leadership and show up in many different forms. And I know we haven't talked too much about this, but the other reason I got into what I do is I've seen how transformational, inspiring leadership can be. And I believe at the heart of it is really how you communicate and engage with others. So so thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. Oh, such a pleasure. Oh, so what are the key things you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? So a couple of key things for me would be the importance of thinking about a portfolio career earlier. So you might not even be in your first big leadership role, but you might have an opportunity to volunteer, to join a working board, an association, and just think about that as part of your career. You know, it might not be your one sole role, but it means that you're actually putting your skills into use. You're meeting new people in a different way. So that would be my first one. My second one would be to know that the path to success or to the kind of intros, the lovely intro that you gave me today is not linear, that there are a lot of setbacks. So be able to learn from each experience and know that 
very likely that outcome success is, is not too far away, but just keep going and uh, use conversations to either, you know, in terms of feedback and advice or to clarify where your next opportunity will be. And third, in terms of our conversation about the importance of these soft but not soft skills, the ability to communicate and engage. And if you are in a role where that's not the training that's been offered or it's not available to you, just being able to take a step back and and first of all, just examine like, first of all, building some of your own self-awareness about how you communicate and you like to be communicated with. And then whether it's a team member or a senior stakeholder, picking up how they like to work. Because very often, difficult behavior is often just different behavior. So how do you actually understand and work better together? You're already doing more in terms of how to communicate and engage more effectively. Oh, that is so good. Is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? This might be more of my personality because I, I knew I had three or four things to share. And then I my third one went for about, it was about seven things. And so... I'm a huge podcast fan, so I listen to all of them. I think my takeaway, rather than one single resource, is to think of it as whether it's your board or career development, it's lifelong learning. That's what you know. I'm so passionate about that and knowing how you like to learn. So you might prefer like a podcast interview that has like bite-sized kind of you know interviews. Like there's a Lewis Howes one where he now does eight-minute bite-sized ones rather than an hour. Blinkist is a an app that I like where they do 10 to 15 minute summaries of leadership books if you don't have time. So if you are someone who is time poor, which most people probably are, looking at things that can condense that kind of information. But I think my takeaway would be know how you like to consume and learn, whether it's a podcast, a book, mentoring, and then just prioritize that in your week as much as you can. Again, excellent advice. I think about my own podcast listening and I try to do it when I'm walking. You know, it's a win-win in a way. If yeah. my podcast listening is down, it's because I haven't been out walking enough. Yeah. So I need to get out and walk a bit more so I can catch up on my listening as well. Um, so excellent advice. Oh, thank you, Madeline. That was such a great uh, sharing of both journey and the realism of the journey and some really practical, awesome tips in there for people. So thank you so much for joining me on the Take On Board podcast. Thank you so much, Helia. So that's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and being part of the Take On Board community. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women and gender diverse people together. So I invite you to join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, an active group that helps, supports and cheer squads each other. Just search Take On Board in Facebook to find us. I'd also really love it if you could do some of the other, well, podcast things. Share the podcast with someone you know who might get some value from our discussions. Subscribe if you haven't already. And well, I also really love it when people rate and review. Thanks again for being part of the Take On Board community. Now go and put these tips, tricks and advice into action so you can be your best in the boardroom.